20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. If you're watching over on YouTube, we got the new Packaday swag rocking today. You can find that in the store below. Make sure to check that out. Sweatshirts, coffee mugs, long sleeve shirts, t-shirts, the whole nine yards. You can check all of it out over at packadaypodcast.com. Before we get into our film review today, we're actually going to start with some Chicago Bears news, believe it or not. It was reported on Monday that Bears starting guard Tevin Jenkins is likely to miss the first month of the regular season, or at least he could miss the first month of the regular season. Obviously, that is a huge deal for both the Packers and the Bears because they are set to match up in week one. Now, clearly, it'd be great to beat Chicago in Chicago with a full deck of cards and have them be at their best, so there are no excuses. But let's be real here. Tevin Jenkins would be a legitimate loss for that Chicago Bears team. And, you know, like I said, I'm not I wish he was playing, no questions asked about it, Uh, but he was PFF's best graded Chicago Bear on offense a season ago. So I saw some people in the comments being like, "Ah, he stinks. And no, he was really, really good a season ago. And that will be a major loss if that is in fact the case for the Bears in that week one game. I do have some fear of Chicago potentially just running it down Green Bay's throats. They're you know, combination of obviously Justin Fields and his running ability with their running backs. They've got a pretty good three-headed monster, Khalil Herbert, Rashawn Johnson, um, you know, Dante Foreman, like they, they've got a good trio of backs there. And you add a Mercedes Lewis in at tight end, they're, you know, as a, obviously as a blocking tight end, they're going to be a good run offense. And Tevin Jenkins being out, Definitely hurts that. So that's going to be advantage Green Bay with him being out of the game. And like I said, I'll say it one more time. I wish he was playing because I want I want every team to be at their best. That just makes football more fun and more competitive. But Jenkins could be out week one, and that will certainly be an injury worth keeping an eye on as we roll in to the first week of the regular season. All right, let's jump into some Packers news. Packers signed inside linebacker Marvin Pierre on Monday. He takes the place of Tyler Davis, who has been placed on injured reserve. Uh, Pierre is a 2023 undrafted free agent out of Kent State, 6'1", 222 with a 9.03 relative athletic score. So basically a 90th percentile athlete at inside linebacker. Here was Lance Zerline's scouting report on Pierre. Quote, Pierre's special teams production and explosive pro day testing could grab a team's attention when searching for a potential special teams ace. He doesn't make tackles consistently enough to trust as an NFL linebacker right now, but he does have some pass rush ability. He's unlikely to be drafted, but could get a look in camp as a free agent signee. Go figure. That's exactly what happened. His strengths, according to Zerline, good speed with explosive lower half, power in the hips to play under a block and hold his ground, possesses physical tools for man coverage, undeterred with good contact balance as a pass rusher, and special teams ace with 14 tackles over the last two seasons per pro football focus. 
His weaknesses, again, per Lance Zerline, allows blockers to sink in and control him below average field vision and instincts, lacks clear-cut skills set to hang his hat on, broken tackles are an issue for him, and fails to recognize route responsibilities in coverage. So that was the full scouting report per Lance Zerline. This sounds very much like a Rich Passaccia type of player, right? Special teams ace, multiple uh, tackle, what, 14 you know, special teams tackles, like that's exactly what you look for at this point in time. Can they hang their hat on something? Zerline mentioned it's not defensively, right? So it's got to be special teams. And that's what you start off as. If you're like the 89th, 90th guy in the roster, all right, you catch somebody's eye on special teams. Maybe you make the practice squad via that. And then you need a call up. You know, all of a sudden you've got injuries at linebacker and you need to call somebody up. Who are you going to call up? Somebody that you can trust on special teams because that's where they're going to play. You get on special teams, all of a sudden you're active on the 48-man roster. You're playing special teams and now another injury hits and you need an inside linebacker. And now you get to go out and prove yourself that way. So makes sense that that's the direction that they would go with. Somebody that could potentially make their name on special teams. Also a rookie with high-end athleticism, which we know is Brian Gudekin's MO anyway. So we'll see what he can do. We'll get one week of preseason to try and earn a practice squad spot in Green Bay. Meanwhile, apparently they're also signing corner Elijah Hamilton, who was most recently in the XFL. 8.79 8.79 RAS, so 87th percentile athlete, only at a 4.6440 and a 7.373 cone. That three cone is brutal, but his vertical broad jump 10 yard split were all fantastic, had a really good short shuttle. We'll see if they actually end up signing him. It is reported and he did post it on his Instagram, so I'm assuming that will take place on Tuesday. We'll see if he's at practice. Green Bay would have to make a corresponding roster move in order to pick him up. They are at capacity on the roster right now, but we'll see what Tuesday brings and if he does officially get added to the roster. All right, let's jump into film study for this week. So as always, graded every single player on every single play throughout the entirety of the game. And here were my, I'll go through my top three offensive players, my bottom three offensive players, and then some honorable mentions on offense, my top three defensive players, my bottom three defensive players, and then some honorable mentions on defense as well. So let's start on offense, my top three offensive players. Number one on my list, any guesses? Rasheed Walker, point, plus 0.9 grade, played a good chunk of the game. I want to rewind, before we get to this specific game, I want to rewind to last year. If you remember, last year when he was picked as a seventh rounder, sort of the Carrington Valentine effect. A lot of people had expected him to go a lot sooner. Some people even had like a third round draft grade on him. He ends up going in the seventh round, very similarly to Carrington Valentine this year, who some people had a third round draft grade on, falls to the seventh round. But remember last year, Rasheed Walker did not practice or play in like training camp the first couple weeks of preseason. And all of a sudden, week three of preseason rolls along and we hadn't seen any of Rashid Walker. Remember, he's kind of a late, you know, or he's a late pick, obviously a seventh round pick, right? And you had serious questions of like, is this guy even going to make the roster? Is he going to get healthy in time to even like do anything? And he played in that final preseason game, played a good chunk of that game. And he was awesome. He was really, really good. Like he, um, his play in that game was eye-catching. And I was like watching him because that, that was our first glance and first look at Rasheed Walker as a member of the Packers. And I'm like, I I don't I don't think you can cut this guy even just based on that one performance. And sure enough, remember Caleb Jones had been the talk of training camp and how good he had looked and like, how are you going to cut that guy? They cut Caleb Jones on initial roster cutdowns and they kept Rasheed Walker. 
in, in large part, I think, due to that preseason performance. Now, thankfully, they were able to get Caleb Jones back, and eventually, very soon thereafter, he also made it to the 53-man roster. But Walker's performance in that one game was eye-popping. Then he doesn't play all throughout the regular season, and then the question is going to be, all right, he has that one preseason game. We don't know anything more about him. Is he going to be able to continue that and like actually do something in 2023? And then his first preseason game was good. And remember though, after that first preseason game, it, it, like I said, it was really, really good, good performance. It was one of my higher graded players last week as well. Played more snaps than anyone on offense. I was really high on it, but I'm like, all right, well, what does that amount to, right? You know, Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuta were injured in the game. So the fact that he played well was, was certainly a positive, but you're still like, you got Bakhtiari, you've got Zach Tom potentially at right tackle. You, you know, you still have Yash Nyman, like he's at best number four, right? But with David Bakhtiari not practicing, lo and behold, who gets to start with the ones in practice this week, sort of out of nowhere, ahead of Yash Nyman. In fact, so much like so much out of nowhere that when I saw Rashid Walker take the first snaps with the one on practice that day, clearly we knew David Bakhtiari was going to be out, but I just assumed that Yash had also had some sort of injury and he wasn't practicing. But I look down to the other side and Yash is down with the B team and it's Rashid Walker who's with the ones at left tackle. But then you remember, and Matt LaFleur mentioned it again this week, and I, or it was either Matt or Brian, I forget which one, but actually it was Brian. He said, hey, one of the things we're really trying to do in training camp this year is try to get, you know, kind of random guys a look with the ones just to get a feel for like, what does that look like? Because it's one, and I've always been a huge, huge advocate of this. And I, I I could never understood, you know, really understand why other teams and other coaches didn't do this. Because what will happen is you'll get, you know, on the other side, you might get Alex Magoo and Deuce Watts and Jadakis Bonds and uh, Kadeem Telfort and, you know, James Empey and all these guys, right? You get a bunch of random players and you might end up with like nine or 10 of those guys really being no good, right? But the other player who might be really good that you just don't know about isn't getting a chance to showcase himself because he's playing with a bunch of players next to him that also aren't good. So the pressure on the offensive line is bad and the quarterback might look bad. And like, if everything else is bad next to you, sometimes you don't get a chance to showcase your skills. So sometimes you just want to put some of these guys in a position with the ones just to see like, hey, what does that look like? Uh, Let's evaluate him with 10 other good players next to him to see if he stands out as the bad one. If he stands out of like, oh, that was ugly. Like, all right, let's, let's get rid of that experiment. But if he stands in there and he doesn't like flinch and he looks the part, no, that's something different, right? And that's what happened with Rasheed Walker. He looked the part in practice looked really, really good in joint practices against the Patriots. And what happens? Preseason game number two, Rasheed Walker at left tackle with the starters. And mind you, what is the number one thing that they want to get out of that practice? It's Jordan Love, A, getting a look at him and getting him some playing time, but maybe more importantly, making sure Jordan Love does not get hurt in that game. If if This is not just putting a random guy at left tackle and being like, all right, let's see what you can do, buddy. No, Jordan Love, your franchise quarterback, the guy that you want to make sure can make it through the season and get really good work in this game, is in the game, and this is his blind side at left tackle. They're not just putting anyone in that spot. They trusted Rasheed Walker. He earned that opportunity, and he goes out in that game against the Patriots in their number one defense, 
and was the best graded player for me in that entire game. I mean, what a surprise he was. And the other thing I'll say here, he outplayed Yash Nyman. Through the first two weeks of preseason, he has outplayed Yash Nyman, like very clearly so. So that is going to be something that's very interesting to keep an eye on. And the one last thing I'll say, I'll actually say two more things. One, the ease at which he played this game with was what really stood out to me. Because that's when you can tell the game's starting to slow down for players. It wasn't like he was constantly thinking and like just trying to do way too much. He looked very casual and it looked very easy for him out there. Like the game had started to slow down for him. That is a very big step for Rashid Walker. I'm really excited to see how he continues moving forward. And the last thing I'll say is I am starting to wonder. You you questioned before of like, is it time to put Zach Tom at center and Yash at right tackle? The question might become, is it time to put Zach Tom at center and Rashid Walker at right tackle? I would love to see this week in practice, Bakhtiari at left tackle, and then you've got Elton Jenkins at left guard, Zach Tom at center, Runyon at right guard, and Rashid Walker at right tackle. Let's just see what that looks like. Because if you want to you know, get the best five guys on the offensive line through two preseason games, Rashid Walker by far and away ahead of what Josh Myers and Yash Nyman have put on tape so far. So I am very much interested to see what this means for Rashid Walker and can he get himself even more in the starting conversation. Awesome game for him. Number two on my list, Jordan Love. Obviously he had some really good throws to Romeo Dobbs down the field on the explosive play. He had the touchdown to Jaden Reed. He had the nice running play. That's what gets him the really big grade in this game. I thought he was really, really good, commanded the offense, getting everyone involved. And just like, it's just so natural for him at this point. Is everything perfect? No, we're going to go over that in just a moment. But I thought this was another really, really nice performance for Jordan Love. Three plays I want to go over really quick, which I just think are interesting. And the thing I'll always say about my grades is they're not perfect. They're never going to be perfect. It's impossible for them to be perfect. I do stand by them and I trust them very much so, but they're just not, it's it's so hard in everything even is in the eye of the beholder, right? And this is a great example of that. Three plays that I want to walk you through really quick. You had Jordan on a, a bootleg to Luke Musgrave, right? He's, he's rolling left and he throws a little bit late across his body to Luke Musgrave. Do I love that throw from Jordan? No. Then you have you know a, a wide receiver that was kind of coming open that if he could clear one more window, I think Jordan would have had the opportunity to hit him in stride maybe, but he's also got a big edge defender that's chasing after him from behind. So do I like him staying in there in a preseason game and maybe having to take a shot to get to that wide receiver? No, I don't. In fact, I would much rather him just get rid of that football. And if that means throwing to Luke Musgrave a little bit behind his body, so be it. Probably would have liked to see him maybe just ground that play. The same with the, the one to Deguara, where it was the, the weirdo bizarro screenplay that got called for the ineligible man downfield. He throws high to Deguara. There's a guy there. I just, just kill that play and live to see another down. Probably a couple plays there with that. But again, those are interesting ones to sort of look at. The other two are a little bit more interesting. The, the third down completion to Romeo Dobbs on the slant, right? You watch that play and go back and look at it at the All-22. You, you watch on the, the TV film and it's like, man, he threw a bullet on third down in a contested situation to Romeo Dobbs for a big time completion and moving the chains, right? It looked awesome. You watch this on the All-22, especially from the end zone. He hits his drop. Dobbs is coming on the in-breaking route, right? The corner is driving on it, like aggressively, 
he hits that drop, corner's driving. You look at it when he hits his drop, and that looks like the corner's going to get there be, you know, before Romeo does. And to the point of like a, a more experienced corner driving on that might cut that off and maybe even pick that off. So that's another one where like he hits the top of his drop, starts to rip the ball, and you look at it, and, and corner's making a more aggressive path to the ball to the point where you're like, I'm not sure he should potentially pull the trigger on that. But then you watch the play and Romeo does a great job crossing the corner's face and the corner has a little bit of hesitation. I'm not sure exactly why at the top of the route, but if you are going to throw that ball, Jordan Love did exactly what he should do. He put a bunch of pace on it and he put it out in front of Romeo Dobbs so that Dobbs could go run ahead of it and go get it. So like, I like the, the, obviously I love the outcome. And, but you can't just grade the outcome. And that's what Matt LaFleur talks about all the time. Of is like, you have to grade the process, right? That, that's what you want to look at is, was it the right read? I, I honestly, I, I'm not positive based on the, the, the drop, if that's the right read and that's what he should do, but he had conviction doing it and he threw it where it needed to go. If he was going to throw it and Dobbs did a great job paying it off with a nice completion. So I don't know. How do you want to grade that? Like, honestly, I, I ultimately agreed it as a slight positive. It would have been a much bigger positive if I didn't think that there was the potential that maybe if the corner drives on that, that it's picked, but that's a really hard one to look at. Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You've all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today, and I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday Podcast. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support Blue Wire sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday podcast and our Packaday podcast team. Thank you. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. 
The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And then you had the other play on the deep out route. I think that was also a third down play where Jaden Reed had to come back to the ball. And it almost looked like at that point, like Jaden Reed was almost like kind of playing defender on the play. That's another, oh, by the way, on the the last play to Romeo Dobbs, there's nowhere else to go with the ball and it's a third down. So if you are going to throw it, like that's probably where it needed to go. And again, obviously you grade the, you're looking at the outcome too. And the outcome was very positive. Dobbs made the play on this one to Jaden Reed, somewhat similar. He hits the back of his drop and he, he starts to, you know, get into his motion of throwing the ball. And you look at where the corner is and that's when you're like, man, the corner breaking on that ball, this, this might be a pick six. Like th- this might be going the other direction. But Jaden A does a great job of coming back to the ball. You look also, I think that was, like I said, a third down play. There's no other place to go with the ball in the play. There's not another great option. And that the the play is basically designed to go to Jaden there. Now, it doesn't mean that just because the play is designed to go there and like that's the place to go that you can throw a potentially interceptable ball, right? So I'm watching that. Again, hits his drop. Corner's breaking on it. If I'm a betting man when that ball is, is, you know, out of his hands, I'm probably betting that that's at best broken up. And if, if at worst, at very worst, maybe pick six, at worst picked, right? At the same token, then you watch it again. And it's like, Jaden did a nice job coming back to it. Love put it where Reed had a chance to go get it. And it kind of hits Reed in the hands with an opportunity to catch the ball on a third down. So these are really difficult things to just sort of parse out and figure out of like, all right, was that a bad decision? Because both of those plays maybe could have been picked. You look at the Dobbs play, it ends up in a really big first down. You gave Jaden Reed a chance and he did a great job of coming back to the ball and having a chance to catch that ball for a first down. I don't know. They're very interesting. And that's why these are always very difficult to do. But go back and watch those and, and you know sort of judge for yourself what you want to grade on those plays. Like I said, that's why it's kind of in the eye of the beholder and, and, and you have to just kind of make your best judgment. I didn't grade either of them. Like, like I said, I graded a positive on the, the first down. I honestly, I don't even remember if it was a, a slight positive or a slight negative on the read play. I think it was maybe a slight negative, but really interesting um, you know, decisions there. But overall, Jordan Love, really, really great performance overall and liked what he did out on the field. And meanwhile, Malik Heath, he is answering a lot of questions. A lot of times you've got some playmaking wide receivers, right? Jaden Reed, playmaker. Christian Watson, playmaker. Romeo Dobbs becoming even more of a playmaker. But sometimes you just need that X receiver. You need that possession receiver. You need that goon wide receiver. You need the guy that is going to go out and be a physical blocker. We're seeing a lot of that stuff from Malik Heath. He is paying off his quarterback's trust, which we saw when Sean Clifford was in there. Some big time catches and really like what I'm seeing out of him. Not only is he answering questions about being on the roster, he is asking questions of like, do do you need to get him on the field as a potential number four wide receiver, number five? Like, is there a, how do you how do you increase his role? Because he is painted off big time. He looks really good, really impressive. I'm not sure he's ever going to be what you want to, as your like number one, number two guy, but he's he's making a case for himself to not only make the team but get on the field in some capacity. Another nice game for him as well. 
Bottom three offensive players, Josh Myers, negative 1.2 grade. The high snap was the big one, right? And just the early snap. So it's an early snap and it's a high snap. Doesn't give Jordan really the opportunity. The big mistake is just thinking that it's a, a you know neutral zone infraction that you're going to get a free play out of it. Snaps it when Jordan's not ready and it ends up being a big time turnover worthy play. Had a slight negative grade outside of that, but nothing too egregious. Had a couple really nice blocks as well. Wasn't all ter- terrible from Josh, but there's just another play where like he gets to his guy and he's got him. He's right there. Like he's he's there. He's on his man. He's got it sealed off. And then the defender just sheds him and, and you know was able to to go and try and make a play on the ball carrier. And it's just like you're you're there. You're big enough, you're strong enough, you're quick enough, you're fast enough, you're at the spot, you get there, make the freaking block. And that's just the inconsistency that you see from Josh Myers that just needs to get cleaned up. And like I said, it needs to be a conversation. Is if you're getting your best five out there on the offensive line, is Josh Myers one of those five? I I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm hopefully he can still take a step, but hasn't been that case so far. Second lowest, Samore Toure just struggled to get open. And quite honestly, this is a fairly pedestrian game from Toure. Like I just didn't see full effort. And, and I don't, I, far be it from me. I, I almost want to take that back because I don't want to question any, anyone's effort just based off a of tape. Like I, who knows, right? But it just, it didn't seem like the same intense Samori Toure that we usually see that's doing everything in his power to get open. And this is a player that I thought was pretty much a shoe-in for playing time, that it was going to be Reed and Toure and Watson and, and Dobbs, obviously not in that order, but like those are going to be your four guys that you saw on the field. Now it's, it's your top three is very much Watson, Dubose, or sorry, <laughs> Dubose, not quite, Watson, Dobbs, and Reed. And then everyone else now is sort of in conversation for that number four. Could it be a Dontavian Wicks? Could it be a Grant Dubose? Is it Samori Toure? Could it be a Malik Heath that we just talked about? But Toure's inching himself into a little bit more of like making this a conversation territory of like, is he a complete lock to make the team? I saw a couple of people suggest that in, in you know, during the preseason game and, and this week in some 53-man roster projections. And I thought it was ludicrous. I still think it's very unlikely that he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't make the team. And I think it's very likely he does make the team. But a performance like that with some of these other young, talented wide receivers on the roster for a former seventh round pick, I just want to see a little bit more from him. And I, like, I think he's going to make it. And he obviously got the opportunity as a kick returner as well and a punt returner. Not great as a blocker in this game. Just need to see a little bit more out of Samore and just really solidify him on that roster. And then last but not least, Kadeem Telfort. Just a work in progress player. Didn't get a ton of time. Good size, not great footwork, not great technique. Got caught lunging a couple times. Just needs to be a little bit more technically sound. He is, like I said, a work in progress. Practice squad potential guy, but a little bit of a tough day for him. Some honorable mentions, thought Sean Clifford had a really nice day. Obviously, Romeo Dobbs had a very nice day. Emmanuel Wilson, Sean Ryan put together a really, really nice performance, and John Runyon Jr. as well. So those were some honorable mentions who also had really good days. Top three defensive players, Kingsley and Igbare, clearly one of the top performers in the entire game, probably one of the best performances in preseason period last week. First of all, I thought he played a jet sweep really well and stayed home and kept contained, which was a lot, you know, basically allowed the Packers defense to get a stop near the line of scrimmage. He then had the bull rush for the sack, added that to his repertoire, and then had a combo platter, the complete, you know, beginning meal, middle meal, five course meal. He gets the the pressure, gets the sack, 
forces the fumble, gets the fumble recovery, does it all. Just a perfect, not not perfect, but a really, really great day for Enigbare, who ended up as my top graded player overall on any phase through the day. Carl Brooks, my second highest graded defensive player, showed off his heavy hands, some really great quickness. Let's just put it this way. Carl Brooks proved in college, whether it was at a lower level or not, that he was a big time player, dominated his level of college football. The question was then, all right, could he do it at an NFL level? And that answer is a resounding yes. He's done it in practice. He did it at family night. He's done it in joint practices. He's now done it in preseason both weeks. The answer is a resounding yes. The only question left is how good can he be against starting offensive linemen? We haven't seen that quite yet. That's going to be the big you know, determining factor as to just how good he can be. But where he's at right now as a sixth round pick is really impressive. You're usually talking about these guys like sixth round pick, and I know Brian keeps his, his guys, right? But you're usually talking about these guys as to like, are they going to make the team? And Matt LaFleur on multiple occasions has already talked about Carl Brooks as having a big time role in this defensive rotation. So that's where you're at with Carl Brooks. He is going to play probably in that 10 to 15 snap range, maybe a little bit less, but he is going to have a role on defense. And if he shows that he can win against starters too, look the heck out because that playing time is going to skyrocket up. Skyrocket up. He is a very fun player and I'm really looking forward to watching him in the regular season. And then the other one, the dynamic duo of day two or day three defensive linemen, Colby Wooden right there with him, showed off his quickness, the ability to get in the backfield, had a couple really nice plays, showed off his ability in twists and stunts. He and Carl Brooks combined on a couple different occasions. They are a different flavor of pass rush potential along that defensive line. I've been so impressed with both of them. Once again, same thing with Wooden that goes for that, that we talked about with Carl Brooks. Needs to do it against starters, right? needs to show a level of consistency and we'll see what happens when the regular season happens, but they are two very fun players. And like Carl Brooks, very excited to see what Wooden can do when the regular season lights come on. My bottom three defensive players, number one, Carrington Valentine, my highest graded defender a week ago, my lowest graded defender this week. In fact, my highest graded player last week, my lowest graded player this week, had a near interception, got his hands on a football again, couldn't quite haul it in, was a deflected play, not an easy pick to make. Had another pass breakup, a couple really nice plays on defense, but allowed multiple completions, including the, the touchdown play, which probably isn't a touchdown just based on Valentine. Anthony Johnson Jr. needs to do a better job of taking a better angle there, but would have been a big play regardless. And that's a play that Valentine needs to do a better job on. And then he also had the two penalties, right? So third down holding in the red zone, which led to a first down, which led to a touchdown. And then you also had the penalty on the pass interference. So just a hang with him day for Carrington Valentine. He'll learn from it. He has a great demeanor. None of it bothered him. He came back and played the next play and played it the same way he would as if he was dominating the game. So you love that demeanor from him. But he, he like he's a player that was born to play corner and he, he's going to be He's, I still think he's going to be a good player, but this just goes to show rookie seventh round pick. There's, there's going to be some days like that. He needs to learn from it. I think he will. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. But 
that's like the first sign of weakness for Valentine at any point in camp so far. But that was a little bit of a tough day for him. My other two, Aaron Mosby, struggled to get off blocks, couldn't really do a whole heck of a lot. And then Jimmy Phillips, same thing, overran a couple plays, needs to do a better job of disengaging, just some inconsistency there. Those are my other two lowest graded players. Phillips, I think very much in the conversation for a practice squad spot. Mosby, we'll see. But, uh, you know, tough day for, for both of those guys. We'll see if they can bounce back in week three. My honorable mentions on defense, I thought LVN showed a couple really nice things and just showed a little bit more power didn't do quite as much speed stuff. You want to see him converting speed to power and being more of a bull rusher. Thought he did a couple uh, or had a couple plays where he did a nice job of getting off of blocks. And then Keyshawn Nixon, really nice job in coverage and his limited action as well. So that is going to do it for my grades and my film review this week. Again, my top three offensive players, Rashid Walker, Jordan Love, Malik Heath. Bottom three, Josh Myers, Samore Touré, and Kadeem Telfort. Top three on defense, uh, Kingsley, JJ, and Igbari. Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden, and then my bottom three, Carrington Valentine, Aaron Mosby, and Jimmy Phillips. That is going to do it for me today. I'll see you guys right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.